I think you can be really, really greedy with what you want to do is, and you can combine all sorts of things, school and university, it's all structured in a way to, to slowly narrow down. But actually, I think my, my 10 year journey has probably been more about kind of broadening again, if that makes sense. There's so much space in the creative industry. And that's something that was never told to me. Welcome to The Replete Podcast, a weekly show where we interview artists, designers and storytellers who are making their mark on the world. Each episode contains stories of diverse creative projects to inspire you on your journey as an independent creator. We dig into the mistakes our guests have made and the lessons they've learnt, covering practical tips you can use to level up your creative business. We discuss the things that keep them motivated when times get tough skills they've acquired from unlikely places, and the systems and frameworks they've built to enable them to live a creatively fulfilling life. I'm your host, Ben Porter, a photographer, musician, and co-founder of Replete. Replete is a clothing company and community of independent creators. We make ethical clothing, and we use the profits to inspire, educate, and connect creative people. If you want to find out more about Replete, head over to repleteclothing.com. On this week's show, I chat to Tom Moore, founder of a small design studio called Last Maps, who specialise in heritage-style inkwork. Tom runs the studio with his partner, Angel, and together, they've built a brand and a business model to support the creative life they want to live. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ben. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to have a chat with you, to find out a bit more about you and your business. I'm really excited to find out some of the things that you've learned over the past few years of being self-employed and Mm. being an artist and an illustrator. So would you be able to start off by giving people who are listening an introduction to you and your business? Of course. Yeah, it's a a pleasure to be here, first of all. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am an illustrator, map maker. I want to say designer, but I don't know if I've achieved that title yet. (laughs) But one day. uh, I run a very small studio that's myself, my partner, called Last Maps. It's a ink illustration kind of studio and we put out all sorts of work now. It started with maps and now it's a, I don't want to say a bit of everything, but anything heritage style ink work in touch. Great. If that helps. <laughs> so for anyone who's not seen your work, it's got a very mm-hmm. distinct style. You are someone, um, when you see your Instagram grid, everything looks perfectly lined up, which is great yeah. from a design point of view. <laughs> How did you develop that style? How did you get there? So... Ink is something I've always resonated with as a medium. Uh, pencil was always where I'd start an artwork as a kid, and I guess everyone does to a point. But ink felt really exciting because once you laid a, a line down or a mark, that was it. And uh, as a young human being, I really enjoyed that. And I, I guess I've carried that the whole time I've, I've kind of been on Earth, <laughs> the whole time I've been here. So there's uh i don't want to say a dangerous element to ink work (laughs) because that's just not the case but the style started with ink and it kind of got cleaner and cleaner Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people use ink work to do uh kind of messy drawings you can i mean you can build ink in so many different ways but mine's definitely pretty structured pretty crisp it's it's where i get a kick so the style's almost scientific in its approach i want to say okay yeah just methodical lots of marks that or at the right angle. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a science element to your work, which we're definitely going to get onto later. Cool. Um, but for now, so why why ink? Was there a particular early experience that pushed you towards that? 
Yes. Uh, so there's a number of things that point to me in that direction. Uh, my granddad was a big one, and not in terms of ink. He actually he paints now, but he was an engraver. So lots of banknotes you'd see circulating 30, 40 years ago, he engraved. So the lines and the the way they, I don't, you wouldn't say drew it, but the way it's kind of scratched and etched was really, really fine. Cool. So I used to see all these kind of framed notes in his studio as a kid and just think, that's really cool. I'd love to do that one day. Uh, so what was he engraving onto? Because when you said engraver at the start, in my head, I'm thinking yeah. like tombstones. That's what yeah. came to mind straight away. <laughs> oh, cool, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, someone's got to do that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's me- it was metal plates, I think. I'm not sure what the metal was, but he worked in this this house in, in Soho and they would, uh, he was one of a, a big team, but they would basically render these drawings, so often a face or a scene, and he would scratch it into the metalwork, which would then somehow press onto paper. I'm not entirely sure okay. of the process. I could find out from him again. We usually get sidetracked with other things, <laughs> particularly painting these days. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's he's quite old now. But um, yeah, be working with metal a lot. But it all start on paper, and I think they had to draw in reverse, which I just found bizarre. Wow. So it's all about line distances and thickness and the way they'd break the line to flow with a face or a. Or it takes a incredible discipline to do that. Yeah, I mean that's. Um, that's decades of him crafting, really, since I think the mid his mid-20s, he, he got out of the army and then about a 50-year career almost. So, oh. Did you ever get to see him work or did you see the things that he made? Mostly the things he made, but I got to see him draw a lot. So he would his his style would then, when he retired, he began kind of painting a lot. But the way he'd always draw and the way he drew was very similar. You'd be able to see the same thing. So there's a lot of line work and a lot of directional story in his in his work so i think that had a huge impact on me i don't know if it's not necessarily kind of copycatting <laughs> but i saw the pleasure he got from that and also there's so much in drawing that can be loose and it was always the kind of tighter elements that i found quite exciting so what age were you on at that point oh it's honestly i don't want to be one of these people that's just as, as long as i can remember but i mean as long as I can remember visiting him. So I, I want to say three or four, I probably oh, okay. used to scribble <laughs> in his studio. I would probably say around the ages of nine or 10, I, I it's probably when I got excited by his work. He, uh, I used to love drawing tanks. I guess every kid does to a point, <laughs> but he'd always be improving on my drawings. Sure. And, uh, and because you had a grandparent who was doing it for a living, did you mm-hmm. take that to mean that um, that was potentially an option for you as a career. It's a really, it's a really interesting story because he always persuaded me not to, and I'm. It, it never really made sense. I mean, the banking note engraving industry, I'm pretty sure, is dead now, at least in the UK. Uh, so I don't know if he thought that fine artists outside of his work, when he was working, were just struggling or. I'm not really sure. So he gave me this or helped nurture this passion and this kind of technical uh, hobby almost to a point. But he then said to not pursue it with money. So it's quite a strange story there, really. So he kind of grew something and also put doubt in my mind since I was pretty young, actually. So he he's quite an interesting figure in my life. So he he kind of persuaded me to enjoy something, but then not to try and make money from it. So I would say it's, it's, it's not something I thought was possible for a long so time. What did he encourage you to do instead? 
I I think he was probably I I, I studied a year of architecture at university. Uh, he was a big, uh, I'm not sure what the right word is, supporter of that. I'm going to say, as is my my dad. He runs a business. Uh, he's a he's a builder and a surveyor. So I kind of got the excitement of running a business from him. Uh, but he he again is quite kind of traditional in the pursuit. I guess they're all a traditional bunch. So I hadn't been exposed to anyone that's doing something that they loved and were making money from that solely, especially creatively. So I had a lot of friends that were, you know, passionate about something, but were going to go and study, I don't know, something completely different or they hadn't thought that far ahead. I don't know if I had thought that far ahead. I did decide architecture wasn't for me. <laughs> so shout out to all you architects. I, I loved the, the people on the course and uh, I loved aspects of it, but I knew I didn't want to do that every day of my life. Mm-hmm which also helped me work out, I think, to a point that I was probably one of these people that did want to, I I don't want to say enjoy what I did every day, but do something that I would enjoy outside of work for money. That there was like this, this kind of wake up moment where I was like, yeah, I, I think it's important for me as an individual to, to really care about what I do in the working hours. So what led to that? Because if you've got your granddad in the back of your head mm. telling you not to, <laughs> yeah. something's uh, something significant has to happen to make you think, actually, I'm going to go against his advice. What was that moment like? Hmm. It's, a, it's a really good question. I, it, I think it happened in a series of moments that built up. I think when I was doing architecture, I just felt wrong the whole time. Everything just felt a little out of place. I got to the summer of the just after the first year and I got good grades and uh, everyone's getting excited about the second year because you actually got to do a bit more kind of technical work as in your your briefs or what you were kind of the work you were set was more realistic I guess in a way first year was very uh, conceptual let's say and you could explore a lot but I just felt like trash over that summer <laughs> so everyone's getting excited and I was like I need to jump ship so I spent about a month trying to wiggle onto a new course uh something completely different i'm not sure if that was just because i wanted to pursue uh another side of my brain or, or what did you choose I, I chose environmental science which i guess is a mix of i guess you'd say geology biology geography a kind of a whole set of things okay so uh, it wasn't ditching architecture for illustration no and <laughs> it's so strange it's a, it's a story that i i'm still I mean, I'm 30 this year. I'm still trying to unravel the last decade, mm-hmm. really. I think if I went back in time now, I would probably just go and study illustration. Okay. <laughs> I think that would be easier. And I actually got a portfolio together. And for some reason, I decided when I was 17, 18, that I could study illustration, but it, there won't be anything at the end of it. Hmm. So let's put some dates to this then. So 17, 18, you considered studying illustration, Mm -hmm. but you didn't. You went to do architecture instead, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. For one year. For one year. And then from there, you went to environmental science. I did, indeed. And was illustration still in your mind at that point, or do you put that out of your mind? That that had completely fallen off the face of the earth. after, After I changed to environmental science, I didn't draw anything for four years then. That was... Not even scientific illustrations either. I just stopped. Not sure why. It was the first time in my life I hadn't drawn anything. So there was definitely something there. I'm not sure what that was. Uh, I I guess I was creatively uh, not necessarily depressed, but lost. Just didn't even think about it. Had a great time. Really enjoyed what I was studying. 
I've always had two sides to my brain, like most people. Uh, one was really creative and one was it loved science and, and stuff like that. So I ditched one side for another. Architecture, interestingly, is probably a good blend. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, and I just enjoyed myself. I just I, I studied that, had a lot of fun, and yeah, completely unplugged creatively. Yeah. Actually, that was the end of the road for me. I figured I'd probably just maybe draw in a mould. Okay. <laughs> and what did you think you would do with the science degree? Again, it's a, it's a great question. I... Yeah, or were you, so, just, were you just taking it a day at a time trying to figure it out? Yeah, I was aware. I've always been quite passionate about the environment and I was aware that uh, human beings needed to be out there gathering this data and and communicating it back to people. And I think that's what inspired me to do the degree. You kind of wrap myself up more in the science and understand it more, learn how to, to study these things and present that to people. And interestingly now, I think the way I communicate that and inspire people is is through drawing it felt now it feels like i've i've combined everything mm. that it's very much a fragmented story really and i think that's kind of the cool part of a lot of people's early adulthood maybe like that's your 20s or 30s or teens uh people are passionate about so many things and there's so many directions you can take but i feel like the past three or four years they've they've wrapped that all up into one one direction what so, do you mean by that i mean the kind of scientific approach and the things you're passionate about with my creativity is all being wrapped up and directed in one direction okay. which is which is lost yeah yeah okay. so actually you can be really i think you can be really really greedy with what you want to do is and you can combine all sorts of things in in the future you envisage but i always thought i had to choose one and i'm not really sure why i'm sure a lot of people probably might resonate with that school and university it's all structured in a way to to slowly narrow down but actually i think my my tenure journey has probably been more about kind of broadening again if that makes sense yeah so, so it's i guess what i'm hearing is you spent lots of time turning over different stones yeah uh, running down different alleyways yeah. thinking you've hit a dead end yeah, and then yeah, eventually yeah. they all seem to converge together they did i mean the the science the the environmental science degree it, it certainly didn't feel like a dead end but uh, the further i got into it the the more a lot of people would you know be phds or it'd be you'd have to do a master's or whatever it was and that also didn't feel right for me and then I was like, it's unlikely I'm going to be a scientist in the field if I don't get a PhD. Uh, and I didn't want to be a lab technician or anything like that. And I still was desperate to communicate the stuff. And I, I don't know if it's just my experience, but a lot of the community I was in, the kind of scientific community was very, I don't want to say uncreative, but communicating was a completely different thing to... Uh, gathering this information so you can have all the information in the world but if you couldn't inspire people or communicate it it was kind of pointless in a way and i i still wanted to communicate it and engage people in a, in a different kind of way and i wasn't sure how to do that yet i guess basically i was very confused mm. but i think that's probably a good thing when you're young yeah. not confused but as in if someone's like even committing to a degree felt like a difficult decision for me why that's just so many degrees that are exciting. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was never one of those kids that was like, I'm just going to do this. It was, there were four or five options and I wasn't sure which to pursue. 
creativity not being one. There's anything like, you know, illustration and graphic design was for some reason like a dead zone. Mm. And did you worry at all about making the wrong choice, about picking the wrong degree? Or? Interestingly, not particularly. Uh, I definitely knew what, I knew when something was wrong though, and I knew architecture was, you know, if I wanted to be a qualified architect, it would be seven years. I thought that was way too long to do something I, I, I was sure I probably didn't want to spend a lot of my life doing. So, yeah, I don't think, it didn't feel like there were any wrong decisions throughout the process. Mm-hmm. Just uh, moments of clarity where it was important to jump ship, I think. Yeah. So what year did you finish the environmental science degree? So that's 2014 or 15. I think 2015. Okay. Yeah. And what did you do at that point? So at that point, uh, myself and Angel, my partner, who who's now the second half of last, we just fancied going away. Um, we fancied New Zealand, Australia, and wherever else beyond that, but we didn't really have much of a plan, but we thought we'd do that kind of classic thing that everyone does and you know, would go and have some adventures before we thought we're going to settle into this. And there was nothing that we wanted to settle into yet, so um, it was the perfect time to go and explore and... I don't want to say get some space. It's not like we were burnt out or anything, but just experience some new angles, some fresh insights and some new places, I think. And mm. Why New Zealand? It's a <laughs> New Zealand, I, uh, I'm not entirely sure. We'd, we'd been to Australia quite a lot before. We've both got family there. We'd always heard New Zealand was awesome. I, I I would be lying if we said it wasn't partly due to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I did wonder that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'd seen these amazing locations, and obviously we were, we were like obsessed with the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings and how it's made, and it just looked like a great place. I guess you could be. Oh, I I could forgive myself. Sorry for being quite cliche and saying like a place just kind of resonates with you. So we felt that was the right place to go, and we got on a plane. So what happened when you were there? A lot of things happened. A lot of them pretty classic kind of uh, travel things, a lot of hiking and skydiving and all sorts of stuff. But we ended up quite quite early on. A friend of ours put us in touch with owners of a wilderness lodge uh, in the South Island, so an hour and a half from Queenstown. And we weren't actually, we were just like, oh, we don't want to get settled into a job or anything, but we'll go and work there for a month. It was over winter, so... There were no guests. It was snow everywhere and ice, and they were just like, "Can you can you paint these rooms and basically renovate stuff, uh, chop wood, all, all sorts of stuff?" And we're like, "This this seems fun." Right at the base of all these hiking trails, for the Lord of the Rings fans, it's where it's where Isengard was filmed. <laughs> so it's, it's right in the middle of Isengard, uh, and a month became um, a year, really. So we just got stuck in and fell in love with the place and. Uh, we did kind of months of traveling here and there between, but we'd always return. It was kind of like our base camp. Uh, and they were lovely. The, the folks at the lodge kind of made us part of their family. And I think there were eight permanent residents there, which is you know, it's pretty tiny. Yeah. Uh, you were kind of half an hour off the end of a gravel road. And it was uh, a really social place, though, because you'd the guests that came there, you'd interact with all day long. And I met a lot of interesting exciting people that changed the way i thought about a lot actually okay what <laughs> I, kinds of things what did they teach you it was the first time i've been introduced kind of properly to remote working i don't know if i'd had my head buried in the sand or or, or or anything like that but i'm very much one of these people that 
needs to see stuff to believe it in a way. And, you know, the people would be rocking into the, uh, the restaurant in the morning for breakfast, having a few coffees and tinkering on their iPad for a few hours. And then they'd go off on a hike and then I'd speak to them in the evening and be like, how was your day? And they'd be like, yeah, it was okay. The few hours of work was boring in the morning. And I'd, I'd realize that they weren't just writing their own notes. They're actually doing some paid work and then heading out. And that was pretty wild for me. So people, I met people that were full-time travelers and they worked remotely. I met people that ran a business and they'd taken three months off to work remotely. And that really, really excited me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it was for me, that was like a whole new world I'd never encountered and I, I, I think I was pretty late to that party, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there are people, friends of mine when I was 15, that probably thought, I want to do this. Um, so this was 2015? Yeah, so this is this will be 2016 now. 2016, okay. Yeah. So that ignited this want inside you, mm. thinking one day I'm going to run my own business, I'm going to be able to travel, I'm going to be yeah, um, someone who can work remotely. Mm. Yeah, I think also it had confirmed to me what I already knew, which is that, you know, fresh perspectives do come from going to new places or or living a different kind of lifestyle. So uh, everything was new in those few years and uh, the people we met were from all over the world and they all shared the same passions, which was, you know, a bit of travel and being outside. And I guess they were all just kind of, <laughs> I don't want to say uh, hungry for life or whatever, but we met a lot of people that were living a life that they were happy to be stepping. They'd all they were all pretty passionate about what they did and how they were doing it. And I felt like for a few years, we were just surrounded by people who kind of bought into that mindset, people that dreamed quite big and people that were living a, a lifestyle that wasn't necessarily conventional, in, at least not in my, in my eyes. I mean, now the world's completely changed and I feel like most people probably work remotely in a way, but this was before any of that had happened. And, uh, people had the freedom of time whilst also doing something they were passionate about and that that really resonated yeah. so that was the moment i realized i wanted to live that kind of life i, I still had no idea okay how to do it <laughs> so so that's quite a big challenge then to take on you've got mm -hmm. this aspiration something to aim towards mm -hmm. so where did you start in that journey i it was an interesting one as well just a quick side note a lot of the people we met were probably in their 60s 50s or 60s i want to say and now I'm kind of encroaching 30 in a few months. I feel a lot more, uh, I'm, I've got a wider circle of interaction as it were. So whether that's clients, friends, whatever it is, people I just kind of speak to, there's a, whole, a huge age range there. But up until that point, it, it mainly been kind of young people, I guess. And uh, this was the first time I've spoken to people that were in a later part of life, certainly not the latest part of life but a later part and kind of they were very generous in what they'd share and their, their insights there i felt like new zealand for us represented a, a just a time to kind of listen if that makes sense and listen to all these people's experiences and there was a lot of common ground between most people um so yeah back to back to your question i i wasn't really considering it at the time i look back now and i understand <laughs> those few years but i wasn't really thinking hard for answers i was just taking each month at a time and there was one evening we'd just done a hike and a friend of mine uh looked at a sketch i'd done that day of a is a sketch map very kind of tolkien-esque in, in style and it was just showing where we went what we'd seen in a very concise way on in my travel journal 
And he was like, oh, can you, can you make me a copy of that? That's really cool. I was like, yeah, sure. So made him a copy and we were talking later that night. Uh, again, <laughs> like cliche moment, there was like a kind of roaring log fire. It was, it was winter again. And he was like, oh, you should, you should start selling these to, to guests or whatever it is. Like these are really this was cool. a map. This was just a map, an illustrated map. I hadn't thought about it. I, I kept maps throughout our travel. Uh, quick sketches, stuff like that. Uh, interesting. I also look at New Zealand as a the kind of awakening again of my kind of creative journey. It, I'd started drawing stuff without thinking about it. I was just like, I'd see something and it'd be easier to communicate to myself or, or lock that memory in by sketching rather than, than writing or sticking something into my scrapbook or whatever. And yeah, people, people were interested in it and people, I'd, I'd draw guests little maps and I drew the lodger map and I helped with their, uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was their menu mm-hmm. redesign. <laughs> I drew some, I think I drew some salmon and some asparagus, something, something very basic. I was like, oh, this is really, really fun. So that was about to be my next question. So hmm. did this feel like the right thing to do, like something you clicked or did you still have that voice in the back of your mind, which maybe it was your granddad reminding you, hmm. you know, maybe uh this isn't the right thing to do like how how did you weigh those things up i uh i mean initially in the in the immediacy of that moment it was um i was like oh i'm getting i I got paid today to draw this and it's the most fun i've ever had at work that's the moment i thought that's that's awesome like i'm that's very exciting uh i wasn't i still wasn't sure i could build a brand or pursue this full time this is just i thought i just got lucky and i had this ability to to draw something and right place right time the the stuff i mean but there's always going to be doubts there isn't there so back to back to my granddad there i mean it, uh, i wouldn't say it's something i carried forward it was more unlocking what i thought was possible mm-hmm. i think again it's back to the I, i've got to see it to believe it part of me i had then seen that and thought okay there's a monetary value in that and I loved it but we're still talking year and a half before I I started okay I'm quite glad you said that because um there's a temptation when you're doing podcasts and things like this to try and look back and say oh yeah it was very clear this was the moment when this Mm. happened um but actually your answer just reminded me that a lot of things it's very much figuring out as you go and you seem to be someone who tries to uh prioritize slowness and being considered without rushing into things which is something i struggle with if i'm honest i get i get tons of ideas (laughs) once and my brain rushes off at 100 miles an hour and thinks this can be this type of business which will unlock this which will unlock that and i'm on step 110 before i've done step two oh man Um, uh, that's important though i think because that's just getting excited about stuff i think isn't it uh you need the different paces (laughs) <laughs> <I'm>, you do <laughs> if you're if you're sprinting in one direction or getting super excited I, I take i feel like i do take a long time <laughs> to get i don't know not to get excited about an idea but to i, I like to take things slow mm. yeah but that gives you incredible consistency which is it shows in your work i mean this we talked at the start when you look at a piece of last illustration you can tell it's you straight away yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been valuable in building the brand. Is slow and steady has been, it's been a really useful tool in the toolbox, actually, or, or a mindset really. And I think looking back to these moments, although there's not one, I mean, the moment where this guy was like, "Oh, can you make me a copy? This this is really cool." I there was a part of me that was like resonated with the idea of 
it felt like an important moment in terms of maybe I could argue the brand was birthed then, but really it took another hundred moments to to really be like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. But slowness is key to everything we do, particularly the drawings. So yeah, it's probably our it's definitely the tempo we're most comfortable in. Sure. So when was the official launch then? The official launch was in October 2018 was the the official kind of I'm going to make this a thing and and uh, start a little kind of business. And I don't think I landed a project for that until I want to say April 2019. Okay. <laughs> I was still working another job and it was uh, it was still a pipe dream at that point, really. As in, I really liked the idea of doing this. I had no idea what I was doing. No idea. I had certain people I could depend on in terms of generic business advice i had i guess role models and books you could read i knew no one that was doing this with illustration in fact i'd go as far as saying you know one doing this with graphic design even it was a weird one yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of kind of just like fumbling in the dark but i felt like i've been doing that for a long time anyway and i quite enjoyed that space and i was very very sure it'd work i just knew it would take a lot of time what made you sure that it would work Mm, that's, a, that's a really good question it it just felt good I, I guess for me it felt like the right decision and there was no pressure there I mean it's you know it's, it's what I did in the evenings and the weekends and uh, you know it's making money through another job it's just a, a part time job and there was no real pressure there and like I said I, I guess I really really believed in it as a brand from day one <laughs> It was almost like flying the last flag. Uh, it felt like something I could really nurture. But it was very much a seed at this point. And I envisaged the the big oak tree, the sprawling oak. But we were a long way and still still are uh, on that journey. Uh, belief's a weird one, actually. We've, 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 when I say we, by the way, myself and Angel talked a lot about belief recently. And it has to, I guess it has to come before has to come before you can prove it a lot of the time so believing in this idea and uh last as a student that it can work and that we can monetize something uh so it's riding the back of illustration or design um we believed that proving it was going to take years but i guess that would be a whole other podcast talking about where belief comes from but it was the first time i believed in something that i wanted to build properly sure so tell me about those early days then because you mentioned even from starting in october 2018 yeah. it was still six months before you got a paid project yeah so what does that belief look like in those six months what are you doing at that time yeah i mean well i say so this is the first kind of client project i did uh in that time i was making connections i was doing work for certain individuals and brands for free which i i'm always really confused on now as the advice I give to people that, you know, we have people reaching out on places like Instagram and saying, how, how do you get started? What do you charge? And, and should people do free work? And generally speaking, absolutely not. And then you wouldn't rock up to a restaurant and be like, I want to eat this and I don't want to pay. But that said, there's so much power in the connections you establish. And 
in certain situations, particularly creative and like, you know, creative entrepreneurs or creative people are taken advantage of. They're quite easy to take advantage of a lot of the time. But our industry also rides off of doing some work and showing that work. And for me, doing this work for free was a way of establishing connections, but also getting a portfolio together. And it was those projects that then, even to this day, have proved the most the most fruitful. So we've got clients now that we still work with after four years. And that was the first one was just almost like a gifted project and an idea we explored. And it's really important to put work out there early on that you like and work that will get you the work you want to do. But often that will have to come off of your own back. Yeah, it's such a tricky thing. And I've argued with people about this in the past, because for myself, when I was starting in video production and making commercial films, I did tons of work for free, but it was always work I initiated. Yeah. So for me at that point, because I didn't go to university, I didn't study it anywhere. I, I just purchased a camera off the internet and called myself a filmmaker. That yeah. was it. The, yeah, the bar yeah. to entry with lots of creative things is so low mm. that you need something to prove that you are credible. So that's exactly it. I was talking with someone who said, you know, you wouldn't expect a plumber to come and fix your pipes for free. But I said, well, no, but when you hire a plumber, you expect them to have done this before. Yeah. And a lot of the occasions I was turning up to a film job, having never done that thing before. Yeah, and yeah. so for my own personal um, confidence, I wanted to do it where I wasn't being paid so I could try things out. And if I messed it up, I'd be like, well, sorry, but at least you weren't paying me type thing. Yeah, And yeah. so I try and give that advice to people to say, if a company's coming to you saying, we've got this massive project, do it for free. You should say, no, of course not. Like I deserve to be paid for that. But if you know you need to develop your own skills, don't be afraid to ask other people because as long as there's a mutual beneficial relationship there, yeah. um, I, I don't see that as the same thing as people being exploited. I completely agree. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. It's a it's not actually even a fine line, really. It's a, it's an interesting debate, and it can often get clouded. I think with um, I don't want to say ego. That's a very strong word, but people. It takes time to grow expertise, and it takes time to grow whatever it is you're pursuing. And I think the single biggest bit of advice I would, I, I like to give people now is that it's it's good to put out the work that you want to do. So, for instance, uh, we, we've done a lot of beer labels in the past few years and, uh, you know, someone approached us, I think it's about I don't know, four or five months ago, but they were like, what do I do? How did you get that project? And we had just done a fake label. But it's, it's, it's a great way of going about things as in put out the projects that you would like to work on professionally. Yep. So people can see the work. So, for instance, you could, uh, let's say you really wanted to do a whiskey label, you could design your own whiskey label. And then distilleries will see it and be like, that's really, really cool. We'd like to work with you. So at the beginning of our journey, it was very much like, I'm either going to do this work for myself or I could do this work for myself, but collaborate with other people. And that's what I did most of the time. We had, we started the shop as well. So kind of side note, we have a, a web shop and that I think... I think we, I think we might have been, I don't know, we might have got two sales in our first month. One we did get before we launched though, which was really exciting. Uh, we ended up meeting this random guy in Winchester one day and he was like, oh, hey, I've, I've heard rumor here that you uh, have a, a map of the Rootburn track, which is the first map we ever drew. And he, he bought that on the spot. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> that again, helped the belief, I guess, as well. Uh, but the shop in the early days was just two, two things and and the brand was zero clients. <laughs> but you have to start somewhere. And 
uh, it's better to get that that first kind of six months or however long it is, it might be five years or whatever under your belt yeah. and, and, and step down that path. And it, and it soon builds momentum. So, yeah. So let's talk about momentum. So you've had your first paid project. Yes. What is the next year for you like after that? Uh, the next year after that is, again, it's fairly consistent. It's, it's, you know, you might get, I think we've got one client in April and we, we had two in May kind of thing. And I think it was in, either july or august that year since 2019 we got our first kind of big commissioned map our big commissioned piece and that's for me is a, a moment that unlocked where we are now uh, and it required an, an enormous amount of work and we weren't sure how we were going to do it uh, but we did and that was that kind of that introduced us to a whole new audience of, of, of clients and it was enormous in terms of just the amount of hours you had to put in or? Yeah, to the scope, I guess. So we'd done lots of like little illustrations for people. Uh, that first year we'd refined our style a lot. Uh, I think April that year was the first time I as an individual stepped into dot work. So for anyone that doesn't know what that, what that is, it's kind of exactly how it sounds. It's a series of tiny ink dots that you use to draw something. Uh, I think I did a humpback whale for our Iceland map. And I was like, I just fell in love with it. <laughs> I remember finishing it. I it took me something stupid like twelve hours to draw this whale in tiny dots, but I was I was so stoked. I looked at it and was just like really invigorated creatively. I was like, we're going to do more of this. So our style quite quickly, I guess, became is a lot of you know black ink and this is what I mean by that heritage style stuff. We're kind of inspired by, I guess, turn of the century. Not Victorian necessarily, although you could go as far back to kind of old etchings and, and stuff like that, but kind of black ink on white paper with those kind of line textures and dots and that resonated for, with us really quickly. Mm -hmm. It also applied to our maps as well because, you know, the, the first few were particularly kind of Middle Earth, kind of Tolkien-esque in their style, which again is is black ink on, on paper. So we'd refined our style in the first year to a point where I think it then really started resonating with people. And that's when we got our first kind of big project. It was a big map of the river test and it was, I think it was a zero oh, was yeah. the size. So it was pretty big, yep. <laughs> which was, you know, kind of daunting, but also it required, I think 40, I think it had 40 individual illustrations on it. So a lot of hours, had a complete imposter syndrome the client actually who commissioned it um i had done a map for off of my own back so uh, that was about six months previous and it, it was returned in this big project that he had uh, got himself and a committee of 10 behind so that's a good that's a good uh good example of what you can do you can yeah. plant seeds and six months later they'll they'll come back so how are you balancing the workload between two of you at this mm. point? Were you both doing illustrations? Or? Yeah, so I mean, at this point it was, so yeah, I, I mean, I say we, this is this is all me at the beginning. Okay. Uh, Angel's there conceptually, she's like, you know, cheerleader and believing in it kind of more than more than most and helping here and there uh, for sure. But I would say the past two years is when she's she's really come on board and this year in particular has been, has been a huge, a huge contribution, so... I think she she's always been the the second half of of last, but for for a while it was just just my hand, as mm -hmm. it were. 
and the river test was was one of those but it it went really well <laughs> which is good it was it, i put out my best work up to that point we did a limited run of just 10 of these prints of the river and they all got snapped up and i'm currently revisiting that map now mm-hmm. uh, for a second release in summer which is cool but there'll be 50 of them this time so it's a, a different story but it was such a pleasure and it was the first time the brand had commanded a, a bigger kind of lump of money and it was something that we could get our, ourselves stuck into for well, i could get myself stuck into for two months a lot of research involved I had to walk past the river and meet a number of people and visit certain buildings and locations and it was really really good fun and back to kind of the journey up to this point it really sung to the scientific side of me so there were different fish and there were different ecosystems i had to capture in ink and i was also getting out in the field and researching stuff to then translate onto paper so it kind of brought everything together i was like this is pretty wild you know yeah. I'm, I'm getting to do this project with these people and it's in such a beautiful part of our country and did your mind float back to those conversations and those thoughts in new zealand at any point thinking mm. i was looking up to these people being able to live this lifestyle that they wanted yeah. it feels like i'm getting a taste of that now yeah yeah i that, that, i mean that's a perfect way of putting it actually it was it was the first time i got a proper taste of what this could look like and it's very exciting and it's been i've been addicted ever since <laughs> pretty much i mean uh prior to that point it was such a pleasure just drawing and designing and creating that that really put wind in our business sales and i guess was the first point i probably thought we are building an expertise here and not necessarily a niche but certainly a style that's then in demand and that tempo really helped the the next few projects so so let's talk more about the business side then Mm. so obviously you've you've been drawing and illustrating um throughout quite a lot of your life not 100% consistently but you've been developing that style in the background you said you you did it almost without thinking about it when you were mm. in New Zealand and yeah. so you're someone who's obviously developed your hand, your hand skills yeah um but then the business skills most people don't tend to run businesses for fun a few yeah. crazy people do yeah. <laughs> um, so where did you where did you start to learn about the business side the business side so I guess again kind of you you get to a certain point in your journey and you start understanding uh, the stepping stones right uh my my dad's always run a business and always will uh i guess i always assumed i don't know what i assumed to say i always assumed i might start a business if i needed to and this was a moment where i was like okay i'm either going to go um become a kind of freelancer i run my own kind of solo gig or i can start a business and potentially just keep it as me or grow it further and it felt like it was required at that point it felt like it was a moment where whether it was going to be a you know a limited company or whether i was going to be a um i can't remember what the word is now where you just work for yourself um let's call it a solo solopreneur yeah, self-employed solopreneur. <laughs> self-employed there we go uh that's the one there, there didn't seem to be a vast amount of difference to me. It's all, you got to treat yourself like a business or you have to start a business. And I guess that excited me because it, I, it, it kind of scared me. It felt very professional. It felt very, there was so much to learn. But also I had this, my dad in the background just being like, oh man, just, it's much easier than you think. Like if the work's there, you should just start this and, and work out as you go. 
and up until that point, I mean, I, I hadn't studied illustration, hadn't studied design. I certainly hadn't studied map making. <laughs> so I was like, I've had, I've had to teach myself a lot. And actually, if you've got a brain that's kind of, I, I don't want to say pressure tested, but as you've proved to yourself that you can learn stuff as you go, I guess it opens up different avenues, doesn't it? And starting a business, although not something I considered uh, a top priority in my life up to that point it felt like again the right move it felt good and i just kind of jumped in and thought about it afterwards jumping uh, in is the best way but you often end up making mistakes and then afterwards you think oh, yeah like why did i do that but you don't know until you make the mistake that's so so true and also they're the best teachers aren't they they are and they're never like they're never critical mistakes i mean you know we're not uh we haven't got people's lives in our hands or anything like that i mean obviously livelihoods are very important but uh it was just me at that point mm -hmm. and i was like if i ever grow this business it'll be two people maybe three tops and that's what i wanted so the risks felt very small it wasn't going to be a team of 50 a team of 100 the the pre i didn't want that pressure so sure. i wanted to go slow and small and maybe celebrate that throughout the journey even in 20 years time yeah so are there any stories of mistakes that you made early on which taught you quite a lot uh mistakes i've made i don't <laughs> I, it'd be really exciting to say yes <laughs> but i haven't made any horrendous errors i think uh certain certain accountancy mistakes for sure i didn't tuck enough money up for tax in my second year which was a mistake and easily rectifiable but I will keep this tax-free, <laughs> this conversation. Uh, most of the mistakes I've made have been, you know, classic creative blunders, spilled coffee on stuff, have not backed things up. So worked on something for a month and had one copy and it got fried. All those really obvious keystones that you look back on and think, it, you've just got to get a system in place, no matter what business you're running. But, you know, for those artists out there, it's, doing the drawing or designing or making the music is the is the beginning really there's then all these other things which were new to me yeah so how did you go about building those systems building those systems was aside from trial and error was listening listening and learning so podcasts and i'm lucky in what i do that i can just chew through content for four or five hours a day and then i love to read so i read as much as i could uh at the beginning, I feel like a lot of the books I read <laughs> weren't necessarily uh, relatable or useful for me, but I read them anyway. And then I slowly honed in on the crowd and the writers that I liked and the people putting out content that was useful. So uh, people like Christo, shout out to him future. and everyone at the future. <laughs> you ever hear this? Uh, I mean, sharing so, so much useful uh, kind of content, whether that's mindset or or business related design related uh just the whole package so for anyone that's in this industry and wants to continue growing and having their mind blown <laughs> the future's good i listen to a lot of stuff there where i immediately disagree with what they say which probably means it's actually correct <laughs> <laughs> so that's very valuable i read a company of one very early on in my journey which i try and persuade everyone to read which is a why should they read that book? Should read that book because 
I can't remember if it's by Paul Jarvis. The it's all about a smaller mindset and it's all about setting your own ceiling. So uh working out how much turnover you need to make to allow yourself to live the life you want and then placing value mostly on time so free time uh ben who's now sitting opposite me introduced me to the four-hour work week by tim ferris a lot of which was not useful but just the concept of time being the wealth was really powerful i read that i mean that was recently um but a company of one is all about slow and steady growth particularly if you're just on your own and celebrating that and actually that you can be a great company of one we've got so many systems now i mean just think of the internet (laughs) as a horribly obvious one that put us so far ahead of people two or three decades ago so one human being can achieve a lot now so if you've got two or three you can sky's the limit really but his whole ethos is setting a limit and, and never going beyond that so let's just say for the purpose of conversation you you need to make let's keep it very easy uh, i don't know 10 pounds a year <laughs> to be very happy and have all the free time you want don't be tempted by the 11 pounds you hit your 10 pounds and you know how long and hard you have to work for that and you just enjoy your free time outside of that so he i guess he's not a he's not a time greedy entrepreneur and he's not really endlessly wealth driven either and that was a that was a really interesting one for me because business is obviously money and turning stuff over but actually for me and i think it always has been the true wealth is is freedom of time um and that also includes enjoying what you do so freedom of time outside of the studio but also if you're enjoying what you're doing in the studio there's a freedom in that as well so i felt like he wrote that book for me well (laughs) so i would definitely encourage people to read if they're pursuing something similar and maybe even if not let's say you're the next kind of steve jobs it, it might help to and create a work-life balance, sure. which I think is important. Yeah. I just want to pick up on what you said about the um, the four-hour work week because mm. that's um, obviously it's like 10 years old now. Yeah. Um, but there's so many books out there which you might very well disagree with. But if you can get one useful thing from that book, which oh, yeah. you can take on, like books are so cheap. They're like yeah, 10 pounds, yeah. like even yeah. the expensive ones are 20 pounds. But yeah. if you can take one concept which you can apply and build on, like, the amount of money that will make you compounded over the next mm. 30, 40 years of working is incredible. It's unreal. It's, it's, it's like the university for me. In fact, the stuff I've read in the past two years has been, I hate to say, more valuable than my, my degree. So I always felt like a bit of an imposter because I didn't, like I said earlier, I didn't study illustration or graphic design or anything like that or mm. business. I've not studied anything, so well, exactly. You can go but one up it on just me. goes to show, right? Like you just don't need. There's so many ways of learning, whether that's on the job or reading or sharing with friends, family, colleagues, whatever it is. And there's a lot of good people out there to help you. But as you said, the four-hour work week, there were there were sections that were so valuable, and certain sections I just skipped through, and that's okay. That's a one of the first books I felt okay doing that, and I think Tim would probably endorse that decision (laughs) i guess just using time very kind of wisely and um yeah if you can glean one or two good things from each book then you're doing well yeah Mm. so what does the future look like for you the future holds more free time for me now i think i think it's i love the client work we do i love all of my clients if you're listening 
it really, really lights me up and it really, each project pushes us to a new direction. And when you get given an idea and whether that's, you know, a logo, a label, a map, and you're like, I don't think I can do this, but you get excited and you jump in and then you do do it. There's no greater buzz for me. Like it's just, it's just the creative, it's the creative dance I like to, to step. I think I'm more and more passionate about building the shop and I'm more and more passionate about hopefully helping more people. So I look back at these amazing people like Christo and just think at some point he decided to start sharing. So I want to share more of our journey and more behind the scenes and how we do certain things. It's something that has been in my mind for maybe a year. We're approaching the end of our fourth year soon and we get more and more questions about just how we do stuff. And I am slowly listening, slowly <laughs> as ever, and thinking, you know, we could release tutorials and start YouTube and build that side of things, which would free us up in other realms. So maybe we flip the bespoke projects and the the kind of shop. We, we, we flip that ratio. Okay. So it's more about you know, the shop growing and exploring that avenue more, I think, which is more of a, it's more of the business side of things really, because that would free up more time and it's endlessly scalable to where I need to be. <laughs> so I, I'm excited about that. Uh, so the future holds that. And also, you know, we work with so many exciting people as long as that's still a part of what we do then i'll be very very happy so i hope the future holds more of the same but also some some big changes in in the way last is throwing punches <laughs> mm, okay <laughs> teasing for more <laughs> yeah i think it's specifically it's just uh it's just continuing to grow slowly and steady and intuitively and honoring who we were at the beginning but also where we're at now i think that's a that's an important blend and it requires revisiting and of course just from a from a creative standpoint just um just continuing to get better at stuff mm, and does any part of you worry about potentially taking on too much oh god yeah <laughs> i feel like that's the theme of every day <laughs> uh I feel like every month I take on maybe one or two projects too many, but it always works out okay. I haven't upset anyone yet and I haven't missed any deadlines that have got in the way of things. I have I have missed the odd window, but it hasn't been a problem. Uh, it's, it's hard to work out how much you can do as a human being and how quickly you can do things. And I think there's always a side of people that get so excited that i mean for me in particular i just say yes to the projects that sing and then i work that out later so uh i there's been the odd week so far this year that's been relatively unenjoyable <laughs> creatively where I, w I wish i had slightly less to draw design slightly less kind of things to juggle but that's life i guess I don't know. Maybe that's my mindset. Maybe I'm complaining. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there's there's the fine line, isn't there, between the perfect balance and, and tripping. I've definitely tripped a few times. And yeah. Well, we're all human, aren't we? So. That's it, yeah. But it's a good busy. 
is what I keep telling myself. You know, if you get to work with these people and you're enjoying it, then that's a better problem to have than the, the yeah, client slate being clean. <laughs> you seem like a person that's fairly grateful for the position that you're in. Like, yeah, you don't seem yeah. to be taking it for granted at all, which I think no. is quite a healthy mindset. I think so too. It, it keeps things fresh every day. And it, it, I think if, if you're doing anything that's, you know, I don't want to say serving people like I'm saving the world, but if you're doing anything where you're telling someone else's story, I think um, that's, a, that's a position that I feel honored to be in. And I, you know, I'm delighted to help, you know, brands, I don't know, design a logo or someone's, you know, starting their own business and they need a t-shirt graphic or whatever it is. That's a, that's a big thing. So there's a lot of trust there. And I think, um, yeah, that's a lot to be grateful for, isn't there? So if there's someone listening to this and they are perhaps a creative person um, who are not currently in a creative job and they want one, or maybe they are working in the creative industry, but not for the kinds of clients that they want. And they're listening to your story and think that's exactly what I want. I want Mm. this lifestyle where I can be working on the things that I want, where I'm trying not to cram in too much, but actually I want, at the same time, I want to take on more jobs because they excite me. Mm. What advice would you give to that person? I feel like there's two people in that question in a way. There's the ones that haven't started yet, and the ones that maybe want to do more. I don't know. I think for the first for the first batch, I would I would just encourage everyone to believe first and foremost that what they want to do is worthy, and there's a space for it. There's so much space in the creative industry and every industry, but for all you creative folk, there's so much room for us, and that's something that was never told to me. I mean, you know, the amount just the amount of businesses that need a logo so many I, I there's hundreds probably a day that are started uh for me it's you know a lot of illustrated maps there's so many people that need them it could be a hotel it could be an estate it could be an airline it doesn't just there's so much room for people to do something creative so step one is just to block out all the all the people that might plant a bit of doubt in there or stop the doubt train in your head <laughs> and just believe that you can do that and just get going. I was I waited maybe for a year after New Zealand to start and I could have just started there. You just got to start now and just start developing your skills and telling your story and build a brand that resonates with you and it's probably pretty likely to resonate with a lot of people. So do it for you first and then for the people that want to get more projects or... They want to take on more. Obviously, I was talking about tripping up earlier. So actually, you hit a point where you've got to charge more money and take on less. That's an important crossroads, which uh, I'm very bad at. (laughs) So you're in good company here. But also, like I was saying earlier, just uh, set yourself a project and enjoy doing it. So I don't know if you want to... I don't know. let's, Let's think of something different for this example. Let's get in fact, let's go back to the whiskey distillery. If you're just like, I really want to design label identities as a job, set yourself a project and pretend that I don't let's just say last industries is <laughs> or last distilleries hired you to to draw a label. Just draw it and share it. And don't be it's gonna be scary when you share it, but you get so much great feedback, whether that's good critiques or it'll just help fill your belief cup. And then just someone will be there soon to to give you that first project so yeah 
That was a ramble. Of no, that's great advice, I hope man. it was I'm useful. Sorry, I mean. I'm sorry you're thinking like, <laughs> yes, I wish I could take this and put it into, yeah. into schools and colleges where people yeah. really need to hear this. So Yeah, I think uh, this is back to, again, feeding back to more people in, in our next steps, with, you know, through YouTube and stuff. I, I, I just want to tell, you know, 14-year-old me and I know 14-year-old Angel that you could rock this and it'd be so much fun it's quite a weird mentality the, the world's quite limited sometimes i think in terms of what we can do as a as a job i'm i want to put that in inverted commas uh and and a lifestyle and you know don't confuse your job with your home life and stuff but actually for us it's, it's one of the same thing and for instance we had a we had a coffee today in busk it's kind of a similar vibe as people doing what they love and there's so many human beings out there rocking a lifestyle they choose and starting something that might not have worked, but that's a, a risk well, well worth taking, I think. So for all of you who may hear this and you're not sure on whether to start it, there's it's just a huge yes. And there's not really any reason to not try. Mm. This is the sign you're looking for? This is the sign. <laughs> yes, join me. <laughs> uh, there's just so many exciting people out there doing exciting things, I think. I feel like life's very short, really, and you just got to get going. Because there's so many people as well that would support whatever it is you want to start. So many people. And just starting will help, help you find them. Mm. So to wrap up, the name last, where did that yeah, come from? So I, don't, I don't actually know how you say this word. Uh, I wanted it, it's an old English word. So we're talking, it would have been spoken a thousand years ago or so by, I guess, what were then the kind of, was the Saxon tongue, as it were. Uh, it sounded more German really than English, but it's a word that means uh, one of two things, footprint or track. So to track something or the actual marker. A track would make and and to go journey so it felt like the perfect word and i'm pretty sure i just scrolled through an old english dictionary for like a week <laughs> and i found this word and it it resonated with its meaning but there was something about the fact that it also meant something in our modern tongue mm. so it, it means something completely different to last now but in many ways i like this opposite to first yeah. there's something there's something about it and maybe it's because it sings to the the slower approach or an older way of doing things in terms of as much pen on paper as we can do and i think there's a celebration i think obviously there's a celebration in last whether that's the last round of beers in a pub or whatever it is it's it it seemed a good fit and that's 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 what it is now yeah it seems yeah. perfect you've taken that word and made it part of your story part of your journey mm. yeah it seems that it felt it's the only coming up with a name actually was really i found it the hardest part and you know in hindsight i, I wouldn't have maps in the title because that's only kind of half of what we do now but it uh the map side of things it invites people in and also it also applies to you can technically map it anything, right? Mm. Anything could be a map and a story. So it works. But yeah, it's uh it was quite lucky just stumbling across that word really. Yeah. So where can people see the work that you're doing and find out more about you? So the best place to catch us is Instagram, uh at lastmaps. And you can catch us online, uh lastmaps.com. And I'm pretty confident you better catch us on YouTube in the next six months. So you want to come and say hi please do drop us a line on instagram 
we just love chatting. So welcome aboard, welcome to the tribe, hopefully. <laughs> and they're the best places to find us. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this and I uh, hope it's been enjoyable for you listeners as well.